0: the keys are to the glory days at the stick from who's got it better than us to brick by brick it's always the 49ers way from off season to game day yeah we talk back it's the 49ers cup back It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the show, everyone. We've got Warren in the house. Means This is going to be a fun episode. Thanks for coming through and checking it out. Please like and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. On that push for 5K, we're so close now, it's it's just not even funny. But uh, Warren, what a great game for the 49ers. Uh, once again, me and you watched the game together. All the energy, whether that was negative energy or positive energy, it was just so up and down in that game. How fantastic was that uh finish and how fantastic was that game for the 49ers? It was
1: it was everything the first game was and more. You know, I mean, what they went through this game, the deficit in the first half to what happened in the second half, it was just it was a roller coaster of emotions for any Niner fan. Um, I enjoyed the game obviously because we won, but I mean at halftime it was it was it was gloom, you know, it's I was thinking like off season, what do we do now? You know, like we go to the drawing board, what's next? You know, where do we go from here? I mean, it was you you were thinking about everything other my mind was so far away from the Super Bowl after that first half. And then the way the that second half went, how we went from the third to the fourth, it was just a roller coaster of emotions. And I'm just so glad how the Niners ended up on
0: top. Yeah, it was crazy. I went through those ups and down emotions as well. It was like okay, here we go, Forty yards, get that touchdown to cut it, you know, cut it to, like, 14-7, or it was, like, right there. And we're like, okay, we, we could do something. And then you look up at halftime, and it's 24-7, and all the momentum in the world is with the Lions. And you start to think, you start to kind of start processing this, wow, this isn't going to happen. This team that we thought was going to be the one that got over the hump and got Kyle Shanahan's first Super Bowl and got Trent Williams his trip to the Super Bowl for the first time, like, they're gonna lose. And and it was it was a, a not a thought that I wanted to embrace. And so I sat back and I was really taking it in. It was frustrating me to no end. And then I sat there and at, towards the end of halftime, I started thinking, well, maybe if we could just get within a touchdown, you know, by the fourth quarter, maybe. Uh, but I definitely didn't want to verbalize any of it. I just was sitting there and watching, and as that third quarter un- unfolded, I got a wow, I can't <laughs> believe this is happening feeling the okay. entire time. As excited as I was, it was, I don't know how much excitement it was more than it was just like, wow, this is unbelievable.
1: Yeah, I, I was having the same emotions. I mean, when that third quarter started and we started just slowly to gain momentum, I mean, we opened up that third quarter with that field goal, and I was just like, uh, it's not really what you wanted. We, we needed seven. Yeah. You know, and then just how things just started to develop and, and unfold and right in front of our eyes were like, is this really going to happen? Like, are they really going to come from 17 points down To pull this out when when we had no business winning that game like no business whatsoever from all aspects of that game we just wasn't playing well and i mean i've watched a lot of football in my life you know and the way that game is going is the way that the way they were running the football on us it really it really puts a damper on you like when you watch your team you know just get hit in the mouth like that and a team is just running down your throat for seven yards six yards five yards a clip breaking off long runs like it really resonates with you. I I remember one year, Niners the not the Niners. I'm a big Michigan fan. They were playing Penn State. It was years ago. We had Brady Hoke as the head coach, and and we were playing Penn State. and They were running it down our throat, and I will never forget that game because the way they they just imposed their will on us. It was it was embarrassing, and I was I was feeling that way in this game on Sunday. I was getting embarrassed the way Montgomery was running on us, and you know uh Gibbs was running on us and it was like third and longs and it was it was embarrassing i was just like dude like we got to we got to stand up and stop the run and then the way the boys came out you know and the way they rallied in the second half and they 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 showed they showed what they're made of you know what what they're built inside with they showed that dog in them it just made you so proud to be a niner fan at the end of the day the way these dudes rallied in the second half stood up and and came together to win a big game, you know, because this is what this team came back for, ultimately, is to win this NFC Championship game, of course, win the Super Bowl. But what happened to us a year ago in Philadelphia, it wasn't the real Niner team that we got to see unfold, you know? And so this team needed to win this game against Detroit, and what they did in the second half, I couldn't be more proud to be a Niner fan. Yeah, it,
0: it, was, it was impressive. And, it, you know, now they've got that trip to the Super Bowl. And if you're going to bet, on the super bowl bet with bet online it's the super bowl time it's it's the big game and the 49ers are going to be taking on the kansas city chiefs and bet online is your number one source for playoff football odds stats trends and lines with everything from point spreads to hundreds of player performance props head to bet online today and stay updated on all the action bet online the game starts here and that feeling that you get when it's it's like demoralizing for a defense, right? I mean, there's been a lot of criticisms on Chase Young, and we're going to talk about that, about him not hustling, Kevin Givens. But when you're in the midst of those games and you're just systematically being taken advantage of in the run game, you're getting dominated, it changes your mindset. You start to uh, kind of give up a little bit. It starts breaking your will. And I think the 49ers were facing that at the end of the halftime. I think... Them holding on to just giving up a field goal ends up being huge in that game because easily it felt like Detroit could have ran them over all the way into the end zone and put that game on ice before halftime, but they didn't. And then the 49ers were rejuvenated, revitalized in that second half. Fred Warner, Nick Bosa says some things at halftime, but I think it was the veterans on that football team that were like, you know what? We've never done 24-7 before, but we're sure as heck not going out this way. This is not how you're going to remember the 49ers of 2023. We're we're not done. We're not ready to be finished. And they stepped up, and it's a mindset. You have to make sure you can do that. Not all teams can just stop momentum like that and change everything, and I think they did in a big way. But you're right. It, it feels for fans embarrassing to see a run game consistently just jam it down your throat. That's usually what the 49ers do to teams. And the Lions were doing it, and they were doing it a big way to the 49ers. But it, you know they didn't give up, they held up, and at the end of the day now they can hold their heads high and say, "Look, this is what a championship team looks like, and now they got to go finish the deal, but you're right, that was tough in the first half. It changed completely in the second half where McCaffrey goes from having thirty eight yards on the game to having over to having ninety yards in the game, and the forty yards established their uh their ability to run the ball and really just got things going on offense
1: yeah, it was <clears throat> and once we got into the second half, I mean. It, it, well, if you're just a regular casual fan watching that game, you got a doozy. You know, it was it was probably it was the best game of the weekend. It was by far better than the Chiefs Ravens game. Um, but if you're a Niner fan watching that game, like 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 we talked, like we just spoke on, watching your team just get ran on, it's just it's so demoralizing. You know, it's almost like, man, I want to go out there and strap up and hit somebody. You know, even if I'm just coming downhill trying to stop the run, and like that's that's the position you feel like that you're in. You're just It just hurts to see your team lose like that. But um, once again, you know, what this team went through in the Green Bay game, and I I know we touched on it last week, this team needed to go through that. And I I say that again with this Detroit game. This team needed to go through that. And, you know, And the lessons you learn from these past two weeks, you could only learn it in the fire, you know. And, And what this team is learning is that no matter the odds, they can win. You know, and you look at you look back at that team uh that lost to Kansas City in twenty nineteen, you look at their playoff run, they really didn't have to go through this, you know. I mean, I forgot, I believe we played Green Bay and then who else did we play in that playoff run? Uh Minnesota. Minnesota. So you look at the way both of those games unfolded, the Niners really wasn't tested too much. You know, I mean, Minnesota game really we had our way with Minnesota, and then the Green Bay game, it was the most show. You know, and then we got into the Super Bowl and we, we face adversity, and it seemed like the team kind of folded in that game. This whole playoff run, we've been through adversity from Green Bay to now Detroit. And what's this? what this is building in this in this team and the camaraderie and what these guys see in each other is that these guys, no matter the odds, they could come out on top.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, you can now reach back from experience. It's not like, oh, yeah, I think we can do this. No, we've already done this. Uh, we can win from we can win and hold on to a double digit lead. We did that all during the regular season. We can win a tight one against Green Bay uh, when they have the ball. We can finish it off. And then now you have a situation like this where it, it, your backs are against the wall and your entire season looks like it's going to be done. And you're against a formidable foe. And you go out there and you absolutely do what you have to do to win. I think that just changes the way a team's mindset is. There's now no situation that they feel. They're in a game, it don't matter if it's Patrick Mahomes or whoever, that they don't feel they can win. And I think that is a huge advantage that the 49ers have because the the regular season, most of their wins were big wins, double-digit wins. And so now the fact they've had to scrape and claw to get these wins is going to put this team right where they need to be. And that's what playoff football is. You've got to be the one that's standing at the end. It doesn't matter what it looked like during the game, right? It's not the sexiest... This isn't a runway show. It's not the sexiest person out there. It is a gritty, grimy thing, and sometimes the ugly game is the one you need to win. And guess what? If they're holding the Lombardi at the end of the year, no one's going to care that the that the few guys didn't execute plays during that game. They're just going to remember that when the, the time came, they got it done. And I think this game proved that all those guys that they can get it done. I agree. I agree with you on there. Right. And let's talk a little bit about <laughs> Steve Wilkes because – Steve Wilkes is under fire again, and, and we've seen this happen a couple times during the season, especially during the stretch, you know, from Browns all the way to Bengals where he was kind of under fire and then goes down on the field, right? How much does that matter? And then they go out of the bye, and they're just awesome. And you get into this game, and it felt like the first half, the defense had no answer for what Detroit wanted to do, whether it was running the football or, or throwing the football. It was like they had no answers. And you were vocal when we were sitting there that you were not happy with Steve Wilkes. Uh, you didn't really care for, you know, some of the way that they came out in that game. Uh, kind of elaborate on your feelings on Steve Wilkes. Do you still feel that after the game? And then, you know, what do you think about not only how they came out, but that second half adjustments and what, what they did in the second half?
1: Um, to start the game, I was definitely. I mean, I don't know any United fan that wasn't frustrated with Wilkes. Um. On the fly, I just didn't see what, what, what we were doing, what we were trying to get into. What, what, what was the game plan? Because um, if you, you watch how the game unfold, Detroit came out, and there, it was clear as day. They want to run the football. You know, they wanted, they wanted to run it down our throat with, with Montgomery and Gibbs and, and dictate the pace of the game, dictate this game. The Niners were just steadily getting hit in the mouth, getting hit in the mouth, getting hit in the mouth, and it's just like, okay, we need to we need to switch some stuff up, you know, like what are, what do we got, you know, what 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 can we do to 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 uh, switch up the momentum a little bit? Because it felt like it was just nothing was being done. You, you see no adjustments, nothing like that, and it was just frustrating to watch, you know, because you're sitting you're sitting here watching the game get out of hand in the first half, and you're just like, all right, Wilks, like let's see a blitz or something. Let's let's see, you know. Um, bring both safeties up, or bring an extra safety into the box, or you know, uh, let's go to a five-man front. Let's let's switch something up. Let's let's see a little creativity, creativity, you know, to, to stop what's happening to us. It was just very frustrating in the moment, and I think as Niner fans, we're very spoiled. You know, we're very spoiled from what we had from you know, within Sala and what we had in D'Amico. You know, in both of those tenures. I never really seen the Niners get manhandled like they did against Detroit. You know, I I never really seen it. Both defensive coordinators usually had all the answers to the test. I had seen games where they had struggled in the first half, but they would they would go into the uh, into the locker room, regroup, come back, and they you would see the clear adjustments. Now, how the game panned out in the second half, I so I am a little bit more happy with Wilkes. You know, I didn't really see. I mean. I do not really see too much of, of, of a of a difference in game plan. I mean, you may have seen more than me. What I've seen is a lot of the players, you know, play with a lot of emotion. A lot of the players play with a lot more effort. A lot of the players given given a lot more, not not wanting to see the season in how it was going in the first first half. But um, I was definitely frustrated with Wilkes and um, I was I was not too happy after the first half.
0: Yeah, and you know there's a there's a lot to unpack from that that game on defense especially. I believe that Steve Wilkes came out there with a game plan that was going to be pretty conservative. They were going to not put a lot of pressure uh with, you know, blitzes and things like that on Jared Goff because I think they were concerned about Goff's ability to beat the blitz. And it's not that Goff is good against the blitz, but he's good when the blitz comes and it doesn't get home. So if you blitz and you're unsuccessful, Jared Goff's numbers are through the roof. When the blitz gets home, he's terrible, right? So you're caught in that conundrum. How much pressure do I put on him? Do I risk explosives? And I think that early on in that game, he was trying to limit the effectiveness of Jared Goff. And he felt that they could probably get enough pressure with the front four to get Goff to make some mistakes. What he didn't count on was the fact that they weren't going to be able to stop the run at all and it wasn't just Wilkes' fault because there were some schematic issues. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing
1: extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's.
0: Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea
1: for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary, cannot
0: be combined with any other offer. Ba da ba ba ba. With the defensive line's alignment and how the linebackers also were going into their gaps. There's a couple times that, hey, certain coverages dictate this linebacker's supposed to be in the week A. You're supposed to adjust, and Oren Burks doesn't do it, or Fred doesn't get there where he's supposed to get. There were things like that. So it's a combination of Wilkes and players, not executing. I think in the second half, you have nothing to lose now. So now you're going out there with a different mindset. It's a mindset I I think D'Amico and Robert Solo went out with most of the times in the first half, was we're going to be hyper-aggressive, we're going to force the issue, we're going to dictate the tempo. Wilkes has been reluctant to do that as a defensive coordinator for the 49ers, and I think that in the second half, he started doing that. He started throwing some good disguises at Jared Goff. Uh, Goff thought he saw man, and it was actually zone. Uh, they put a, a robber in the middle of the field with Deshaun Gibson. They got Gibson more active around the line of scrimmage. They just were willing to make and take chances, and it benefited them. And, yes, you always run the risk of there being big plays, but the Forty yards made those plays. So I think there's legit criticism on Steve Wilk's approach to the early part of that game, and I think that I am happy, the same way you are, that he adjusted on the fly. The adjustment started – very uh, very minorly in the second quarter, and they took it all the way into halftime. But uh, I would like to see him come out with a more aggressive approach, especially against a Super Bowl where you're going to see Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. And if you don't force the issue, they're going to just pick you apart. Uh, so I, I get where everyone's feeling about Wilkes, And I think that his second half adjustments have been brilliant this entire season. But we need those from the very beginning. We need that solid game plan to be able to stop one of the greatest quarterbacks uh probably in modern history and Patrick Mahomes and a very good coach in Andy Reed. So Wilkes is gonna have to step his game up.
1: I, I agree with you spot on. I agree with you spot on, especially especially on the point that you were making about the defense being aggressive. Um with Sala and D'Amico, we did dictate tempo. Yeah. And as Niner fans, that's I mean that's what I was trying to allude to in the beginning. That's what we're used to, you know, and and to see, like I said, to see the way the game was unfolding in us, we're just on our heels you know and it was almost watching uh exactly what was happening in the green bay game we were on our heels and i was just like I, i'm just we're not Gigi, we're not used to this feeling you know and i'm like let, okay let's let's see the creativity let's let's see something different well it's like with D'Amico, i remember when you know boso he would line up inside you know or he'd be stand up rushing or with with sala we would have um kwan williams in the nickel coming on a blitz, like these are the type of creativity I want to see. I want to see Wilkes getting his bag. You know, let's let's see this. You know, let let's not just sit back in the zone and have these quarterbacks pick us apart. You know, we sat back in the zone and we gave up quite a bit of, in my opinion, too many third and longs with Jared Goff. I, I I know one off the top of my head. There was one to Amon It was like third and eighteen. Like you can't have those. You know, and me, let's be aggressive. Let's 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 walk our corners up. You know, let's go man to man. And Let's let's match up, you know, especially against Jared Goff. You know, he's not a guy that's going to beat you with his feet, you know, so you could play more with your back towards Jared Goff against Patrick Mahomes. It's a little different, you know, you need eyes on the backfield because he does, he has those back breaking runs and clutching and clutch points, uh, parts of the game where you kind of got to keep an eye on him. But with Jared Goff, you could, you was afforded to be a little bit more aggressive, but um. With this this Kansas City game upcoming, it's going to be interesting to see what Wilkes comes up with. You know, I hope, like I said, I want to see him get in his bag and I want to see something creative. I want want us to dictate pace with with Patrick Mahomes. Let's not come out like how we did against Green Bay, how we did against Detroit, and have to play from behind eight ball all the time. You know, let's dictate pace.
0: Yeah, because the truth is, the 49ers, though they've proven they can come back, They are really good at playing from the front. If they have the lead, they absolutely bury you with a run game, consistent run game, and with stifling defense. I mean, they because that's when you have to abandon your run game and turn primarily to throwing the football. When that happens, that's when Nick Bosa, Hargrave, Armstead are at their best. That's when they can pin their ears back and go, but they don't have to expect to play against the run. So that's exactly where the 49ers need to be. They need to get up early. They need to get some quick stops on Patrick Mahomes. But, yeah, I think Steve Wilkes is going to have to get in his bag. Just like you said, I think he's going to have to come up with some disguises, some things that are going to confuse Patrick Mahomes. And that's going to be difficult to do, but I fully expect. And remember, they had a little bit extra time off here before they start practice this week. Kyle Shanahan, I guarantee you, is in all those meetings. Kyle Shanahan (laughs) is making sure this defensive game plan is detailed, aggressive, and he's going to make sure they don't make any mistakes against Patrick Mahomes. With that being said, some of these 49ers defensive players need to make sure they execute when the time is right. You brought up the play to Amon Ross St. Brown for the 18-yard touchdown or 18-yard catch, I'm sorry. And on that play, Jair Brown's in perfect position. They ran a cover three buzz. They put him right there. He's there and then he leaves his area to drop on Jamison Williams with Deshaun Gibson already on it. It's like sometimes it's Wilkes, and then sometimes it's like Wilkes dialed it up, and it just wasn't executed. And that's one of those frustrating moments. That happens to Kyle on offense too. Sometimes he dials it up, and it's like, boom, oh, we didn't execute. And then sometimes he makes a bad bad call, and it ends up backfiring on him. That's kind of the give and take. And, you know, I mean, we got to give Steve Wilkes this. He was going against Ben Johnson. Who's a really good offensive coordinator, and uh, I thought at, in the second half, them holding them to seven points was huge in that game.
1: Oh, it was it was it was tremendous. Yeah, it was it was definitely huge, and hats off to him. You know, first half looked rough. Second half, they, they the defense definitely rose up. The defense was a big part of the reason why we came back and won that game. I mean, they got a turnover, which I believe was the only – turn. no, there was a Pur- Purdy through one interception. Yeah. So it was one of two turnovers in the game, which was huge, though. We needed that. That was a big turnover. That was that was just really getting our momentum going. So hats off to Steve Wilkes in the second half. It was, it was a rough first half. But um, – and I mean, even the Green Bay game, you know, he, the first half was rough in that game. Second half, I, I feel like he had a better second half. So maybe – Maybe with Wilkes is it's just a the first two quarters are a fill out for him. You know, and then second half he gets he gets more he gets going, gets more in a better better rhythm But like you said, a lot of it is due to players executing as well, because you are you are absolutely right about that third and eighteen. Uh Jair Brown, I don't know what he had a a, a lapse in judgment or what happened, but he was definitely the cause of that play. But um i I hope I hope Wilkes got a hell of a game plan come uh come in two weeks.
0: <laughs> well, that's the good news, right? You have two weeks to prepare for Andy Reid. The Mm-mm. only problem is Andy Reed has two weeks to prepare for you. Right. Uh if I was gonna give any sort of a little bit of a, a whisper of insight to Steve Wilkes, it was do the unexpected. Uh when they think you're gonna juke, jive. And that'll kind of put them a little bit behind the eight ball. I think you force the you know, the situations, you get on the aggressive side. Yeah, Patrick could beat you for some big plays, but we've also seen uh, you know, uh, MVS and those guys drop football. So uh, I would force the, you know, force the envelope and just really get out there and make some plays or problems for him. Let's talk about offense a little bit because the 49ers walk out of the first half and they only scored seven points. And yes, the first two drives were scoring opportunities. Jake Moody misses the field goal on the opening drive for that one stalled out. Uh, that could have been points. And then they score on the second drive. It's a great drive. Boom, touchdown. But then the next two drives of the half, there's really nothing going on offense. 40 yards can't get it moving, and Detroit was just, you know, rolling. But then the 40 yards come out in the second half, and it's completely, entirely different uh, offense. They never have to punt. They punted one time in the whole game, and really if they'd had to punt in the second half, they probably would have lost. But what do you see from the offense, and, uh, you know, does that make you feel better about 49ers' great offense versus Chiefs' great defense?
1: I, I mean, just like the defense, I mean, it was a tale of two halves. You know, I, I believe in the first half it was—I I mean, it, I think it was a little bit of both. Guys not executing and, and, and play calling. You know, I mean, um, the lead to get out of the first half with only seven points is when you're talking about a Kyle Shanahan offense. Something, something has to be wrong. You know what I mean? Something, something's not going right. Whether it's something that he's calling or something going on with the play, uh, with with execution. Second half, um, I believe a lot of it was Purdy. You know. Uh, Second half, I mean, the guy, the kid, really, he really grew up. You know, I mean, a lot of the plays that he was making in the game, it was, it was stuff that was outside of the, the natural play that was called. You know, some of the, some of the stuff, the plays he was making with his feet. You know, he had two huge runs to pick up crucial first downs. You know, I mean, the play where he he, he would look like he was going to run and he turned and he threw it to to uh, Jawan Jennings. Jawan Jennings had amazing one hand catch like that was Purdy. You know, I mean, when he got out of the sack and he ran to the sideline and he hit Yushek, that was Purdy. You know, it was it was a lot of purdy just putting this team on his back and saying, I'm not gonna lose today. You know, this team is not gonna lose. Um I said how I feel last week. You know, the way I want this offense to go is 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 feed feed McCaffrey, you know. Feed give him the ball as much as you can. Like I said last week. This is the last game of the season. There's you have nothing else to prepare for. He has all offseason to rest. Get him, give him the ball. You know, get him the ball as much as possible. I feel like the Niners uh, got McCaffrey going pretty well last week. I believe he ended the game about what ninety yards. Yep. Um, but it was offensively. It was. It definitely wasn't what we're normal seeing with the Niners. You know, like let's say Debo catching the screen pass and going seventy yards, eighty yards, ninety yards, or Ayuk open a, a, across the middle of the field on a crossing route for like 30, 40 yards. It was different. The off, the way the offense went, went last week was very, it was, it was, it was, method- there was big plays, but it was also methodical, you know, but it was, you're picking up first downs, moving the chains, you know, and then when you get in the red zone, cashing in for touchdowns. So this week against the Chiefs, we're playing another, we're playing another good defense. You know, the Chiefs, which is kind of weird, you know, they're going into the Super Bowl no more for their defense than their offense. So it's going to be interesting to see how this, de- how this offense comes out and how they plan to attack the Chiefs. Um, but I'm, more encur- I'm super encouraged how they won last game just because it wasn't the typical Niner offense that you're used to seeing. It was They had to win the game a different way. So now we know the Niners, they're, able, they're capable of winning the game outside of their normal offensive production. But it's still, it's going to be interesting to see how Kyle Shanahan puts a game plan together to attack Kansas City next week.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that I believe in 2019 it was Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs that had all the talent on offense right. in the world and their defense was leaking oil a little bit. And then they were the ones coming back from huge margins in the playoffs to get to the Super Bowl and they ended up coming back on the 49 and winning. And now the roles are completely reversed when you look at the 49ers offense and they're the ones with all the weapons and their defense is leaking oil a little bit. <laughs> uh, it's interesting thought process that this thing is completely inverse uh, yet. It's the same. They're both going to be wearing the same jerseys they wore in 2019. Yeah, crazy. Uh, Vinovich is still going to be the referee and his crew. Uh, there's <laughs> a lot of similarities. It's, it's kind of hilarious, uh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, they, the 49ers, their thought process going to this game was obviously to get the run games established with Christian McCaffrey. And they did a very good job of slowing him up early on in that game. The second drive of the game, Kyle Shanahan really got Debo Samuel involved. He caught a quick screen. Uh, he had a, a push pass. Did some things like that. And that really opened up the middle of the field. Then the 49ers went with three straight runs with McCaffrey. Boom, boom, boom. First down. And you just felt like, okay, we're establishing something here. And I think that drive was more indicative of what they did in the second half. I think they kind of went away from it a little bit. If you notice in the first half, there's two or three batted balls uh, for the Detroit Lions off of our defensive line that knocked the ball down from Brock Purdy. In the second half, there's none, right? I mean, it's just a, it's a huge difference the way the 49ers played it in the second half compared to the first half, and I think a lot of it was that. If Brock Purdy didn't have some of those balls batted down, those would have been completions for first downs. He had open receivers. But you bring up a, gr- a very good point, and I think it's one of the things I feel gives the 49ers the best advantage who potentially win a Super Bowl this year is their red zone effectiveness. They were four or five in that game versus Detroit, and the four yards are the best red zone offense in the entire league. And that's because they now have Christian McCaffrey that can not just beat you with a physical run up the middle, but can also beat you out in the flat in the passing game. They got Debo Samuel that can go the other way. They got Ayuk who's a legitimate beat to beat you one on one, and you still have George Kittle that can beat a linebacker if you get a bad matchup. And I think that's a huge advantage going into play the Chiefs because the last time you played them, you weren't very good in the red zone. Right. You had to settle for field goals. <clears throat> and now you're not going to settle for field goals. You're going to score touchdowns. And instead of scoring 23 points, you could have easily had 34. And how different that game is if that's the case. So I think that some of the things that Kyle's doing on offense are going to roll over into the Super Bowl and it's going to be fun. But I want to see that offense that's really pushing the tempo and also pushing the limits of what they can do against defenses, spreading them horizontally with Debo and McCaffrey to the sidelines on pass plays, spreading them vertically with deep passes down the field to Brandon Ayuk. Those are what's going to make that defense have to cover the most ground. And I felt once Detroit had to cover a lot of space, that's when the 49ers really started rolling.
1: Right. I mean, you start to see like what your offense is really made of When, when the way teams are defending you, when they come out, and the teams are taking away your bread and butter. They're taking away what what you made your money on all season. Now what do you do? Yep. You know how do you, how how are you going to pick up a first down? How are you going to put points on the board? How are you going to move the ball? That's that's when you find out what your team is really made of on off, off of the offensive side of the ball. That's what you find out how good of a coach Kyle Shanahan is, and a, a play caller he is when you have to make things happen that's when you find out how good these guys are. And that's what happened in in this Detroit game. You know, I mean, it didn't look pretty like, you know, all of us are used to turning on a Niner game, sitting back, watching Debo go 50. You know, we're, we're watching IU, you know, catching long passes or Christian McCaffrey breaking 50 yards, 70 yard, 80 yard runs. And we wasn't getting that, you know, Detroit wasn't giving us that. We wasn't having a lot of the explosive plays. A lot of this stuff was, and they had to go out there and work for it. They had to earn it, you know, and, that's what this team did. They went out there, they put their hard hat on, and they earned it. So once we get in this Kansas City game, it's going to be interesting to see how they defend us. You know, If they're taking away our bread and butter again, you know we're going to have to put our hard hat on, and we're going to have to make plays,
0: find plays to make. I'll tell you what's interesting. There are two plays that I can remember off the top of my head where you're one block away from a touchdown for the 49ers. The f- <clears throat> first one, the very first play on offense, the 49ers brought in a great counter play. He, McCaffrey goes, he's going to come back behind Juszczyk. You check makes the block. There's a huge hole and Anzalone squeezed between two blocks. He just like went underneath it and made the tackle. It was a great play by him, but literally could have been a whole shot touchdown on the very first play. Jeez. Later on, you throw the, the screen to Debo and they're one block away from, from him going to the end zone for a touchdown. That's how close it was to having some of those big games are in big play. So when we talk about it, where it's like execution and play calling, sometimes it's just one guy's difference between a touchdown and, and a good gain, or in some cases, like the first play of the game, a three-yard gain. That's how, how uh, close these things are, razor thin. The 49ers have Damn. to execute at the highest of levels when they get into these games. But I was optimistic because the 49ers rush for 90 on Detroit. They have a good run defense. And Kansas City, run defense, it ain't in. Uh, they're one of the one <laughs> of the bottom half of this league as far as run defense. So if you're going to find a weakness where your strength and weaknesses match up against each other, that's a good one for the 49ers.
1: Yeah, execution – Going back to execution, execution is everything. I mean, if you look at the other side of the ball, I mean, Detroit had two huge drops. Yeah, you know, he executed those two, those two catches. It might be a different ball game. Yeah, you know, and it's you have to execute when you're in these games, in these big games, and I just can't, I can't speak of it enough. It's huge.
0: Yeah, let's talk about those big drops uh, because. Last week, we were on here, and you were saying, hey, Dan Campbell scares me because this guy is unconventional. He'll go for it. He's a crazy guy. Like, he'll just he'll go for it. And I sat here, and I looked at you, and I said, good. And I said, I hope he does because I just had a feeling that aggressiveness would come back to bite him in the butt. And I'm glad I was right because he was super aggressive in that game, and he went for a couple fourth downs. And I get the mindset, right? If you get those fourth downs, you're putting that game away early. And so I think he had a lot of belief in his team, but he made a mistake by going for them. And I don't want to say that that mistake caused them the game because the 49ers still had to make the stop. Right. The 49ers still had to stop him on fourth down. The decision was a bad decision in hindsight, but the 49ers had to make the plays, and it's as simple as, and people said, oh, well, he, he just dropped the ball. Yeah, but look at all the rest of it that happened. You had moving Goff off his spot makes the throw a little mm-hmm. bit tougher, makes it thrown behind Reynolds. Ambry Thomas isn't that far away. You get a drop. Like, there was a cause and effect, and it comes from you get pressure from Bosa, you get pressure from Kinlaw, Goff moves, and you get the play. So it wasn't luck. It was executed well by the 49ers, but Dan Campbell really shot them in the foot in this one.
1: It's, man, it's, it's funny how this game turned out because – I mean, we called it last week. Yeah. You know, I mean, more so you. You know, I brought up the point that Dan Campbell is a real wild card. He's a real joker. You don't you don't know what you're going to get. You know, and you hit a spot on, you're like, I hope he brings that to the table. Mm-hmm. And he absolutely did. You know, um, I think I've seen a stat where they said during the regular season in short yard situations, he was 17 out of 20, which is which is darn good. Yeah. You know, that's that's amazing. But, I mean, once you get to January football, it's different. You know, I mean – you know, you gotta call these games different. I mean, in those situations, for him not to to either punt the ball or kick a field goal, kick two field goals, was huge. You know, what I mean, and at the end of it, he may have cost his team. You know, I I mean, it it if I'm a Detroit fan, I'm hurting inside. You know, I mean, yeah, this is what you lived on all year. You know, Dan Campbell, this is what he made his money on with this team. This is what he's installed in this team is great, and and so what is fourth down? Go execute. I got faith in you to pick this up, you know? And it just wasn't happening in these games, and and those calls, he's going to be forever known for it, you know? Just like Shanahan. Shanahan, to this day, gets killed for the Atlanta Falcons game, you know? The 28-3. Everybody puts that on Shanahan, and he wasn't even a head coach. Yep. You know, Dan Quinn was the head coach, and Shanahan gets more flack on that you know what I mean, than then, then, uh, Dan Quinn does. Uh, Dan Campbell, he's going to get this, you know, until he gets back to this moment and he overcomes it. You know, and it's going to suck for him because I think he's a heck of a coach. I think the guy's a great coach and for what he did, what he's done with Detroit, what he's done for that city. He brought him back from the dead. You know, he, he's an amazing coach. But in those situations, you got to coach better. You know what I mean? You, you got to... You got to err towards, you, let's get three, let's get off the field, let's play defense. You know, let's punt, let's play defense. You know, football is a is a long game. You know, I know during this game, actually during this 9 of Detroit game, I was texting one of my friends, and, you know, I'm like, man, this is, this is getting bad at halftime. And he was just like, well, there's a whole other second half. And the way I was feeling, the way I was texting him, I was just like, I don't think it's going to matter too much, you know. And at the end of the game, you know, he texts me back. He's like, I told you there was a whole second half, you know. And that's what Dan Campbell needs to look at, you know? And that might be the last maturation process of him becoming a complete coach is learning how to handle these in-game situations. He has to get better at it. But the Niners benefited from it, so I'm not, mad. I'm not too mad about it. We're headed to the Super Bowl. I'm, I feel bad for Detroit fans, but, man, dude, Dan Campbell, he's going he's gonna to have to uh, sit with this for a while.
0: Yeah, and, and Steve Wilkes <clears> was in his bag on both of those plays. Uh, the first one he, uh, whether it's the errant throw to, uh, Reynolds, they go ahead and they put Jair Brown on, uh, the running back out of the flat, and you know Jameer Gibbs usually is struggles against, or I mean, usually causes struggles for linebackers, uh, <laughs> so they put the faster Jair Brown there, takes him away, uh, then you got the movement, he tries to throw, so they confused him there with that look, and then the next one they show man covers the whole time, Dre Greenlaw motions in the whole thing. Looks like man covers, they run their mesh concept, perfect man Peter, and then it's his own. And Logan Ryan takes away one, Greenlaw takes away the other. All of a sudden, Goff's getting pressure, he runs out and he makes an errant throw. And it's like, those types of calls are what make me think Wilkes has it in him. Like, Wilkes can do this. Of course, you have to execute, I mean, and Logan Ryan executes at such a high level there, Warren. He comes in at nickel cold after Ambry gets hurt on the, the flea flicker attempt. And he just played lights out. I did not expect it. I thought it was going to be Isaiah Oliver, but it's Logan Ryan. And now I have to ask you, because we talk about Ambry all the time because you're a Michigan fan. So you're very familiar. Do you stick with Ambry Thomas going into this Super Bowl game? Or are you flirting around with the idea of, Hey, let's put Demo back outside and let's play Logan Ryan in the nickel.
1: It's, it's a, it's a tough conversation to be had. Um, after this Detroit game, I don't, I don't feel like Ambry played bad. Um, he didn't have the game that he had in Green Bay, you know, where he had the pass interference, and I believe he had another play where he gave up something. Um, but this game against Detroit, I, I believe, the way I watched Ambry play in this game, he looked a little bit more confident. You know, when I was watching his body language and him coming up in man coverage, I'm like, okay, Embry, uh, Embry's feeling it today, you know? Like, he came up confidently, and, you know, I mean, playing man-to-man with, with Jamison Williams is – I don't think people understand how that's not easy. Yeah. This this guy, Jamison Williams, is the number one pick. You know, he was lights out at Alabama. This guy is world-class speed. Yeah. And to be on the island with this guy, I mean, you gotta have some type of confidence. And, you know, Ambry held him up just a little enough where the ball could sell over his head, or that was gonna be a touchdown. Um, I think I think that was like in the second quarter, I believe, second or third quarter. But and you then you have Logan Ryan on the other side, and you know, you love what you're seeing from him. You know, I mean he's playing confident. So you have you have a tough decision on your hands. Um, I mean, I think with the Chiefs, I don't think they present what Detroit did re- receiver wise. You know, I mean Jamison Williams to me, he's a growing star. Then you have Amirase Brown, you have uh I think it's Reynolds, right? Reynolds, yeah. Reynolds. and then you have Laporta. I mean they have those to me are four solid weapons. You know, you could you could pick and choose your poison. The Chiefs, you're looking at, you're looking at Rice, you're looking at Scantling, and you're looking at uh, Kelsey. I like my chances better with 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 the Kansas City Chiefs. It, it's it, to me it comes down to matchups. You know what 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 matchups do you like, and then that's where you start to make your decision. But what I've seen in Detroit, I feel like they're both playing confident right now. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't feel too bad going with either or in this uh, Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, and if I was Steve Wilkes, I'd be looking at the, the matchups to make my decision, and I might not be completely just one way or the other. It might be right. certain personnel. I go a certain look uh, because I wouldn't mind at times, and I, I know how good Rasheed Rice has been this year, but I at times, because of how Kansas City plays, I wouldn't mind putting Tarverius Ward on Travis Kelsey at times and, and allocating the other resources to other places because you don't have Jarek McKinnon, you don't have to worry about that play out of the backfield with that running back. Uh, so that's less stress for Dre Greenlaw in coverage. So I just think there's some opportunities to take advantage of some of these matchups. And I know we're going to get into all those during the week and we'll talk those, you know, a lot next week, but I think that Ambry Thomas could still be somebody the 49ers want to go with, but I feel very comfortable now that Logan Ryan can come in, step in and play the nickel and he gives better coverage than Isaiah Oliver, but was coming in and making big plays in the run game. He literally stuffed that run at the end of the game. He came knifing through and made the running back, you know, juke to the side they came and helped clean it up. It was such a nice play and run fits. And that was when I was like, you know what? Logan Ryan is is ready when he has to play that nickel job. I think it's actually better than him than safety. Uh, so I, I think that right now they're comfortable with probably four of their cornerbacks, and that's probably all they're going to need in this game when they match up against the Chiefs is the four guys. Those guys are rotate or figure it out. But we know Demo and Traverse Ward are going to be tough the entire game. They're going to do their job. And then it's just like you said, you brought it up perfectly. Matchups are going to dictate what you do with the rest of the players. And if I was worried about Valdez Scantling running any other route besides a vertical, uh, then I would be scared of of Ambry playing him because he could break off underneath and make consistent catches. But I don't. So I know Ambry can stay over the top of him. That's what he does. And so that matchup doesn't scare me. Rice, on the other hand, better route runner. A better overall uh, player. That matchup I wouldn't like, but you could easily put Sarverius Ward over there and take away him at times. So uh, to me, it's it's an easy matchup game. They just don't have the weapons. And you get Patrick down before Patrick is able to find a receiver, you know, twelve seconds into the play some of the right. times it's just ridiculous, you just like running in circles.
1: Right. Rashid I seen a stat where Rashid Rice where he's he's actually second to Debo in Yak yards yeah. as a receiver. So I mean he's a guy that once he gets the ball in his hands, you just gotta get him to the ground. You know, and I mean they've they've struggled with with drops all year long. So uh that team that team I like how we match up with them. I love how we match up. But going back to Logan Ryan and Amber Thomas for both of these guys all it takes is one play, you know, you get one play going in your favor, you know, and it could change the game for you. It's like in basketball, you know, you you see one shot go in and you're going to start going, you feel like you're shooting in the ocean, you know, and it's the same thing with football, you know, especially with Ambry, you know, Ambry, you know, all he needs is one play. Like he was inches away from having that big play last week, you know, where he could have had that interception when Jamison Williams was bobbled and he rolled over and and Jamison Williams ended up with it. Mm. But if Amory comes up with that, like that, that's a, that's all he needs, you know. And if he gets something like that, it's like, it's going to take his confidence through the roof, yeah. you know. And he's going to start playing well. and, he's, and you're going to see it, you know. And that's for any player. Once you're out there, and you're making plays, and you feel like you're you're contributing to the team and what's going on your cause. It's just going to make you feel like like the man, you know. So, um, like you said, man, this this game is going to be it's going to be matchup based, but. These guys just got to make plays. Once they make plays, you'll, you'll see the results.
0: Yeah, one of the guys that you need to make plays is Chase Young. And I don't know if you've seen, there are so many reports that he's going to be benched. I find that very hard to believe. I agree. Considering the 49ers played him over 50 snaps last week, <laughs> and they basically went with a three-man rotation of Bosa, Gregory, and, uh, and Chase Young. I don't think all of a sudden Robert Beale's going to get 25 to 30 snaps. So I don't think that's the case, and I don't think it's a legit option to put Eric Armstead on the edge when you haven't been getting great interior run-stopping ability uh, from the other guys. So, to me, I think that Chase Young is going to get a significant part of this game. But what did you think about Chase Young? Uh, Because there have been polarizing opinions. Some say he played really well. Some say he played terrible. Um, I haven't seen very many people in between, but I'm kind of in the between category. Where are you at?
1: I I agree. Um, I believe in the second half, he really flashed. Um, I think he made a couple plays in the second half, and you're just like, okay, he's starting to arrive. You know, um, but I have seen I have seen the footage where he is not giving effort. Yeah. You know, he's giving lack of effort and you know, he's walking around out there and you're just you're like, what is he doing? But I mean this was the knock on him. You know, this was this is what the word was coming out of Washington was, you know, heck of a talent, you know, guy was could could have been the first I think he was the first round pick, wasn't he? Yeah. Top pick in the draft. You know, heck of an second overall, second overall, yeah, yeah, uh, heck of an edge rusher. You know, gets after the quarterback, but it's effort, no motor. You know, where's it at? You know, when you're in these games, there should be no footage of you not showing effort at all. You know, in the NFC Championship game or in the Super Bowl, it's, it's it. So, if Niner fans are upset, I get that. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw, coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks, then there are drinks from McDonald's.
0: Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for a dollar forty-nine. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and
1: participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba da ba ba ba. Because that is alarming. You don't. You don't want to see that. You know. Um. But him being benched, I think it's 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 kind of ridiculous, you know. Yeah. You want to have your best eleven on the field, and Chase Young is one of your best eleven. So to have him not on the field in your big the biggest game of our season, the biggest game to date of our franchise is is, is ridiculous.
0: Yeah, it, it's it, I think he's going to be out there, and mm-hmm. you know, part of it you brought it up perfectly is there are plays that he looks. Spectacular. He looks like the Chase Young where you're like, wow, you're throwing people around and, and making plays in the run game, making stops, getting tackles for loss. Um, and you know, the, the plays that he's not hustling. Uh you you as a veteran player, as a coach, you're gonna go to him and say, Hey, Chase, look at this. I need you to be better. You've got to be better for me, you've got to be better for your teammates. And I think he will. Uh, because this is a moment that nobody uh can say they're gonna have again. Like George Kittle said on the sideline, Hey, I'm going to get back here. I will get back here. And he he got to get, he's going to get to get back there. But there, for every one of those, there's hundreds of guys who never got back. Dan Marino included in 1984, after he lost to the four years, he said, Hey, I'm going I'm to get back here. Never got back in his whole career. And so they know the impact that this is going to mean. And I think he's going to have to play with effort for the t- players around him. He's going to have to do that because he wants to impress them and he wants to make. You know, big plays for them i think there is a brotherhood there i will say about you know chase young i do think he's getting a little bit of unfair criticism because there was other players not hustling on those plays as well <laughs> literally running right next to him is kevin gibbons they look like they're running in molasses but kevin gibbons isn't a big enough name to catch the heat right both of those guys and and maybe they're maybe it's conditioning i don't know what it is but they need to be better and I think it's a mindset, right? It was a week before, right? Nick Bosa, they thought he could have gotten there on the big run by Aaron Jones. I think that these guys are going to step up. They're going to play. Um, but I need the, the the guy we saw in some of those explosive plays for Chase Young. We need those from the very beginning because he has to impose his will opposite of Nick Bosa to slow down Patrick Mahomes.
1: Yeah, we're going to need that. I mean, this is, this is why the Niners gave away a third pick to go get him. Like, we... We need somebody opposite of Bosa and for these games, yeah. you know, I mean, especially when you're playing against a guy like Mahomes. I mean, you've seen the guy makes magic out of nothing. I yeah. mean, you look, you look at the Super Bowl he lost to Tampa Bay. I mean, the guy is throwing the ball in midair on the way to the ground, you know, and he, I've never seen a quarterback more pressured in my life in that game. And he was still making things happen. And it's, it's unbelievable. The will, he, that man has the win. You had to match it. You know, and it starts up front with this D line. Like, we need everything you have plus ten percent come that game because you know Mahomes is going to bring it. Yeah. So, and he's going to he's going to he's going to find a way to try to beat you. So, you got to give that man heck for for sixty for sixty minutes. You know, nonstop. So, what I hope what what we've seen on film from Chase, I don't think he's going to do it again this week. I think, like you said, you know. These guys, these guys want this, you know what I mean? Like, like, and it's not just the players that want it, you know? I mean, we've been here before. And like you said, we, we all seen the video of George Kittle. George Kittle said, I'm going to get back here. And it's no guarantee he's going to get back. You know, he's fortunate to get back, you know, but not just the players want this. We know John Lynch wants it. We know Shanahan wants it. We know Jed wants it. You know, we know Wilkes wants it. Like he's been in the Super Bowl twice, you know, and he's lost. Like, this team is hungry, you know? So what we've seen on film last week of him not hustling, I don't think we're going to have a problem seeing that this week. I think this team is going to come out, and they're going to go get it.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I think there's going to be a complete mindset of go get it and make things happen because everyone realizes there's no reason to save any energy. There's no game the next day. There's no game the next week. Go give it everything you got. Uh, This is one of those once-in-a-lifetime opportunities for Chase Young. He's never been to the playoffs before because he was in Washington. Now he's in a, a situation where he could win his first Super Bowl. Crazy to think. And it could be, he could be a big reason why. If he goes out and plays up to his potential, he could influence this game hugely. Uh, if they're not able to give help to Bosa, Dewan Taylor's going to either get a lot of holding calls or give up a lot of sacks. And uh that could be huge in this game. And part of the reason that, you know, the 40 yards could win this game, Warren, is Brock Purdy. Last time they went to play the Kansas City Chiefs in uh, the Super Bowl, they did not have Brock Purdy. No. They didn't have a guy that could create off-schedule plays and make plays not just with his arm but with his legs. You know what you can't do against Brock Purdy? Consistently run man coverage now because he'll go ahead and you turn running away, and he'll find a way to get extra yards uh, by using his legs. And I think that's a huge advantage for the 49ers. What did you think about Brock Purdy's performance? And, you know, is, <laughs> is this the kind of quarterback that Kyle Shanahan needed to be able to go get his first Super Bowl?
1: I think so. Um... I mean, Jimmy G, he he just Jimmy G was just wasn't it, you know. I mean, as Niner fans, I mean we've we've all went through the frustrating years with Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo, where he was right there, where you just like, man, Jimmy, if you just had a little little bit more to your game, that's gonna put this team over the hump, you know. And you know, you honestly you sit there and you watch Jimmy G, and you felt like he was his heart wasn't into it, you know. He really wasn't passionate about putting in the work and getting to that point. And Brock Purdy is the absolute opposite. You know, you watch Brock Purdy and every bit of him is is I want it. I want it for this team, I want it for me, I want it for this organization, I want it for these fans. You know, and he's willing to put in the work, you know, and he's willing to get better wherever he can, how however he can. And to see the plays that he made against Detroit, it was is the guy never flinched. You yeah. know, I mean, we were we were down 17 at half and like we don't have Tom Brady, you know. We didn't have Peyton Manning. Like we have this guy that was the last pick of the uh, Mr. Irrelevant. You know, we we put the ball in his hand, look him in the eyes, like save us from this, you know. And that's what he did. I mean, some of the throws he was making, like the guy was standing there, blitz coming right down, right down the throat, right oh, okay. at him, hung in there, dropped a dime to Debo, you know. And people, it's crazy how the talking has ridiculed this kid and say this and say that about him. And it's like if you watch the film, the guy shows more than just talent on the field. He shows heart. He shows grit. You know, and the plays he started making down the stretch where there was nothing open. You know, and he starts running. He runs for a first down. And you're just like, man, look at this kid. You know what I mean? He's growing up in front of our eyes, and in the biggest moments, and it's like this is a story a story that you couldn't write. You know, and and it's unfolding week by week for us. And as the Niner fans, it's just beautiful, you know, because we had Joe Montana and Joe Montana wasn't the most highly touted quarterback. You know, he wasn't this, he wasn't that has the strongest arm or the most athletic, the fastest. He was none of that. But what Joe Montana had was he was smart. He had heart, you know, he was resilient, you know, he, he, he he got, he got it. He had that it factor. And that's what we're getting with Brock Purdy is he has that it factor and he's carrying this team the super bowl he carried us through that detroit game and just watching him play this kid's not gonna let us lose
0: no and, and now we have a guy that you know kyle dials him up i mean he he comes up with some great play calls and he absolutely dials it up in the passing game and he gets guys wide open and that's fantastic that's exactly what you want from your quarterback but then there's times when there's just guys not open right they they called the perfect defense they got it covered uh, somebody slipped and fell. They're not open. Uh, there's something that goes on, and you just have to make something happen. And when that happens, Brock Purdy makes the play. Brock Purdy escapes to the left. He throws it back to Jawan Jennings, who can make a big-time catch. He escapes a Milifonwu sack and gets to the sideline and throws a great pass to Kyle Yuschek. Or he scrambles and gets a first down. There's so many occasions that you just see Brock Purdy use his skills to be able to improvise and make a big-time play. Kyle Shanahan, when he first described what quarterback he was looking for, because they would always ask that, and he said, I want somebody that can operate within my system and make the plays on time that they're supposed to make. But when all hell breaks loose can make something happen for this team, that's Brock Purdy. And that was exactly who Joe Montana was for Bill Walsh. I'm not saying Brock Purdy's Joe Montana. (laughs) What I am saying is he adds that element to the offense. Joe Montana loved to go through his progressions one, two, three, four, back to another one and make the throw. But when it wasn't there, he recognized it and he made it happen with his leg, whether that legs, whether that was extending a play and getting the ball downfield or just taking off and getting yards. If you go back to that 84 Super Bowl where Joe played against Dan Burrito and the Miami Dolphins, Joe used his legs a lot and was able to get key first downs and even a touchdown in that game using his legs. Those are the kinds of effects that you have on an offense. That take your offense from being, hey, we're really good and we can score, you know, twenty four to twenty seven points. But Jimmy Garoppolo at the helm, to oh no, we can score thirty four to forty two points a game because when it when those plays that Jimmy couldn't make happen, now Brock can make them happen.
1: Yeah, and it's it's so interesting to watch. You know, last time we were in this position, you know, you have Jimmy Jimmy G at the helm, and you know, it's almost like he's. The, Shanahan will tell him, hey, look, on this play, this person, that person will be open. Throw it there, you know the play will unfold you know this person's not open that person's not open jimmy is just sitting there you know what i mean like he's, he's getting he's getting happy feet you know he doesn't know where to go and it's it's you could literally see like we're done we're dead in the water you know because jimmy's not gonna make an extra play yeah rock purdy it's just he has he has that it you know and when this person that person's not open this second read third read fourth reads not open I'm going to make a play. I'm going to scramble out a little bit. He may not take off all the way down the field. I'm just going to scramble a little bit. To keep the play right. Extend the play. Boom, juice checks open. Boom, uh, IU comes open. Or K- he finds Kittle. Like, those are the back-breaking plays that you need a quarterback to make to win on the highest level. That's what Patrick Mahomes did us. He killed us in that aspect. That's If you look at how the Niners lose most of these games, these quarterbacks are just kill us, they extend the play, find somebody late down the field, and it's it's harder for a defense to recover from that. This is what we have in Brock Purdy. You know, yeah, he's not the, the most shiniest toy on the on the on the market, you know, but he works for us. You know, he does everything that we need to get over the hump, you know, and, and like Shanahan said, everything he needed wanted in a quarterback is exactly what Brock Purdy is. And I'm just so glad that we found him in the seventh round last week. I don't know where this organization would be right now if we didn't have Brock Purdy.
0: Yeah, he's one of those cars that shows up, right, to a race. And everyone sees it, and it, it doesn't look like the other cars. It doesn't have the greatest paint job. It's not, a, not a, a pristine muscle car. And then all of a sudden it shows up, and it's got, but you open up the, the hood, and it's got, like, one of the best motors, it's got the best driveline, and it's really racing really good. Uh, it's got a great stance to it. That's what Brock Purdy is. He's one of those ones that shows up and he's unassuming and you don't think he's one of those big time guys, but under the hood, he's got everything you want to be a big time player and he can beat any of those guys uh, when the time comes. And, you know, you can't quantify what the it factor is, but he definitely has it. And Absolutely. when you can make plays at the highest levels and you just make things happen, it's impressive. And I I love the way he processes. He's an elite processor of information and that's what makes him fit perfectly with Kyle Shanahan's system. And then when he has to make those plays, he goes out and does it. And so you feel like every single game where Brock Purdy's at quarterback for you, you have an opportunity to win. And that's how it is with the great ones. Every time Joe was back there, I felt we had a chance to win. Every time Steve was back there, I felt we had a chance to win. And since then, the only quarterback that I've ever felt that every single time he's back there we have a chance to win is Brock Purdy. And I think that's saying a lot about what he means to this 49ers.
1: I agree. I mean, Look at his playoff record alone. He's never lost a game where he started and ended. You know, what, what told me all I needed to know about this kid was last year in Philadelphia, you know, there was two things that happened. One, the guy comes into the game with a hurt arm. With a hurt arm. With the tore, I believe, what was it? CCL In his elbow. That tried to get his team to the Super Bowl. Like, if that doesn't, that's all you need to know about somebody to know what they're made of. And that's who our quarterback is. Give me him any day of the week. You, if, I, if you're telling me that's my quarterback, I'm taking him. And then you go through the whole offseason. They said, oh, this guy's going to miss maybe a, a, a month to two months into the season. He's ready week one. Brock Purdy's ready week one. That's all you need to know about this kid. That's all you need to know. The rest is history. If this is what my quarterback is made of, Give him the ball. He's my he's my starting quarterback. He's my quarterback any day of the week.
0: Yeah, and everyone's presenting this matchup of David and Goliath, right? Brock Purdy's rolling in. Um, can he do it? He's just facilit he only oh, is a facilitator, you know. That's all he Game does. manager. Yeah, that that, that that's who <laughs> is. He's John Stockton. <laughs> You know, they got Isaiah Thomas over there. He makes all the plays with the ball in his hands. You know, I mean, I'm going a little bit back, you know, but, hey, who who made the dream team, right, the one that can facilitate? Just, I'm just saying. It wasn't that Isaiah Thomas was hated by Michael Jordan. Definitely not that. Uh, but just, you know, you've got this cool matchup of two guys that do it, even though they do it a little bit differently because of the the skill set that they have, they are doing it the same way by getting the ball to their playmakers and letting them make plays. Oh, this is going to be a fun matchup, Warren. I, I can't wait to talk about the this full-out 49ers versus Chiefs in the matchup uh, next week because I think this is going to be a huge, huge game. I think the 49ers have a really good chance to win. Oh, I do. I think
1: uh, <laughs> I, I love our chances this year compared to last time going into it. But, um, man, we got the weapons to pull this off. I feel like Kyle's ready. I feel like we got the quarterback, like, this game can't come fast enough, man. I'm I'm ready for the celebration.
0: <laughs> I know. We're, 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 they get it every time that they come up to the podium and stuff. I'm just going to be like ready to run through a wall, just like ready for this game, hyped up. Uh, because, you know, the 49ers are back in the Super Bowl and here comes the familiar foe in the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs are wearing red, 49ers are wearing white. Things don't change. Uh, and, you know, this is the opportunity. And the 49ers are coming with some different folks than they had last time, and so are the Chiefs. It's going to be a showdown, man. It, it, you did, this is this is the game you want to be in as a fan. Right. Uh, this is the moments that you look forward to every single year, and we're one of the two teams that get to talk about it.
1: And I wouldn't rather have no other opponent. Like this is this is the team I wanted. I mean, yep. I I mean, I thought it'd be easier if we got Lamar because we seen Lamar did Lamar things last week. Yeah. You know, he does those. But this is the team that got us. They snake bit us when we we knew we should have won that Super Bowl. And now we get another shot at him, man, game on, let's bring
0: it, bring it on to be the man. You got to beat the man. Right. And Patrick Mahomes is the man until somebody beats him in the super bowl. Again, you know, Brady did it, but Brady's one of the greatest, if not the greatest of all time, uh, somebody else has to do it. Could this be a passing of the torch moment where Andy Reid passes the torch to Kyle Shannon as the best offensive mind in football and Brock Purdy takes a spot amongst the elite quarterbacks in the league. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to talk about it all next week. Like and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already on the push for 5K. If you're listening on audio platform, 49ers Cutback on Believe, please give it a a five-star rating. Me and Warren will be back next week talking Super Bowl, 49ers versus Chiefs. Hope to catch you then. Until then, stay safe. Remember the right way is always the 49ers way.
1: Go Niners.